0: on business. So, going to be back with you on this Wednesday night as we get a chance to talk with Nevada Tigre football coach Wes Beechler on tonight's program. And also, later on in the program, we'll be talking cross-country with head coach Ryan Watts. That'll be coming up on our final inter- interview segment of the program a little bit later on this evening. Again, welcome to the program. Tonight, we're going to come back and talk about the Lamar ballgame. We're going to go back in two weeks because we didn't have a program last week. We do want to touch on the Cassville ballgame a couple of weeks ago because we can get a chance to review on that. We'll just do a quick thing on that. And then, of course, Talk about the Lamar contest and preview of the game coming up against Monette. And we'll take a look at some of the other things with regards to Nevada Tiger football as well. So we'll come back and get us started with Nevada Tiger football coach Wes Beechler after his first time out on Tiger Talk.
1: Hi, it's MyNevatorMo.com again, reminding you we are Nevada's Community Bulletin Board. We post current and upcoming community events, government phone numbers from city to federal, a business directory, a parks and rec page, and school activities. Speaking of school, MyNevatorMo.com would like to congratulate our students and our sports teams. Our Tigers demonstrate the spirit, sportsmanship, and values that make this country great and make Nevada a great place to live. You make us proud on the field and in the classroom. MyNevadaMo.com is rooting for you. At Nevada Auto Mall, our September of savings has started. And, well, we've gotten some pretty cool rides in lately. Come check out this 2019 Ford Fusion SE Hybrid with only 6,200 miles. Or, how about this sporty 2020 Ford Explorer ST 4x4 that has leather, nav, premium technology package, and only has 15,200 miles. Best of all, you're going to save thousands off a new vehicle. Vehicles like this and more are only at Nevada Auto Mall, the place where you get your deal
2: with warm days coming to an end think sutherland's home base of nevada with everything you need to get that house and outside area ready for the colder months from products for your windows heaters pipes and everything in between sutherland's will make sure you are prepared for the upcoming months sutherland's home base 2101 east austin nevada great products great people low prices Do you miss those old-day cafes where your family can go and have great food cooked from scratch? Then head to Emery's Truck Stop in Deerfield, Missouri. They have those old-fashioned cheeseburgers, chicken fried steak, mashed potatoes and gravy, hot beef sandwiches, and breakfast served all day. And don't forget the fresh pies made daily or the gas available 24 hours a day pay at the pump. It's the locals' favorite hangout for great food, conversation, exceptional service, and low prices. Emery's Truck Stop on the south side of Highway 54 in Deerfield.
0: Back on Tiger Talk tonight again. Thanks for joining us on this uh, Wednesday evening. Again, uh, glad to be with you here tonight. And again, apologize for not having the program uh, last week, but uh, just couldn't be helped due to uh, business last week. Of course, I got blamed for not being here. You know, uh, not uh, creating the mojo that we normally do on Wednesday nights uh, prior to ball game. So. Apologize for that, Wes. You kind of you
3: kinda of <laughs> took responsibility for it yourself on that one. I, I didn't so just to I took set a, the I, record straight here, I know, I know. Mike, Mike's the yeah. lead on this show, but uh, he he kinda of set himself up for that one saying maybe that was the reason. I didn't I was
0: gonna take some serious heat over what may be a touchdown last week when I said yeah. a particular receiver hadn't done anything as of yet in the next play he ended up in the end zone. Fortunately I got bailed out by a penalty.
3: Yeah, you might <laughs> that might have been on you. That one might have been on, on me. That was
0: definitely on me. I knew as soon as I said it I was gonna regret it. But at any rate we uh, start off a little bit of levity because we're going to get ready to talk about some football. Of course, we're talking about some serious business now. As uh, the last two weeks, uh, one and one for Nevada again. We're going to touch on the Cassville ball game uh, first. Uh, we'll get that out of the way because we can get a chance to talk about that last week. But uh, and I'm sure it's in your distant memory now. But uh, uh, when you think back a week and a half ago to do that nice win on the road, your Big Eight West opener, uh, what were the things you thought about as far as that ball game?
3: Well, the the thing that jumps out the most, Mike, was jumping on a team like Cassville, and I know that Cassville is one and three this year, and not a typical Cassville team. But to go down to their place and jump out on fourteen nothing, I thought was an awesome way to start the ball game on the road. Um, and then I didn't feel very good, uh, even though it was thirty to fourteen at halftime. Still, we got the we got the touchdown pass from K. B. Short to Drew they there, right? You know, probably six seconds left in the half, and very little time left. Mm-hmm. Um, to to stretch it from 22 to 14 to 30 to 14. Didn't feel very good about the way we played, particularly in the second quarter. But um, came out, defense really made some nice adjustments and responded well in the second half. And I thought the offense picked it up a little bit in the second half as well. I don't – you talk about distance memory, I don't know, was it 40, 42, Mm -hmm. 20 final or something like that. Um, So felt good about the way we played other than the second quarter. And that, uh, you know, unfortunately we had a bad – we had a bad first and second quarter this past <laughs> Friday night, so we just need to clean some things up and get rolling. That's the goal this week.
0: Yeah, how big? But how big was that touchdown to Drew with the time ran out in the first half? Because that gave you a chance to take a lot of momentum in the locker room, and I'm sure it had to make Castle hang their heads just a little bit.
3: Well, probably a little bit. You know, I think if they go into halftime only down a score, then that's, that, that's a little bit different deal than being down two scores. And so, I, I think it was a pretty big play for us. And then, and then the way our defense responded in the second half—you know—gave up the 14 points, but quite a few yards in the first half, and gave up just six points and not very, not as many yards uh, anyway in the second half is was kind of sealed the game for us.
0: Well, you know, of course, Nevada got the victory. That did move them to three and zero. They were starting to get some attention uh, from some of the media who vote in the state poll around, and just so on the outside looking in. And last week of the uh, top ten poll, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on as well. But uh, certainly, gotten Nevada a little bit of attention with that three and zero, starting with how many yards they're racking up, how many points they're putting up, still averaging fifty points a ball game after three games uh, this season. Going to the Silver Tiger game now. Last week to take on the Lamar Tigers, of course, a rivalry game. Vernon and Barton. County uh of course as everybody knows Lamar uh, defending class 2 state champions uh coming in um, beaten and uh sitting at 3 and 0 under their second year head coach in uh, Jared Bishore. but uh, Lamar does pick up the victory 48-22 and uh pretty easy to kind of figure out where things kind of went
3: awry with this when uh, you just can't give a team like that a 21 nothing lead no you can and and that's you know they're a good football team and there's there's a reason that we didn't look good at times that's because Lamar looked pretty good at times um but you know we, went back and we watched film with the kids on Saturday and we just talked about the little things that we didn't do well in the first half. And we did we did some of those things real well in the third quarter. And so, you know, the, the second half, which, you know, I'm not a big believer in moral victories, Mike, but the second half was a 27-22 ball game. And I, I really feel like the whole game should have been like that. It should have been a one-score game most of the time if we do the things that we normally do. And we, if we didn't do those things in the first half, sometimes those things are hard to explain. Uh, but just didn't play as well as we could against a really good football team and that's when you have to play your best and we didn't do that. Well Nevada was able to certainly get some things get some things going in the second half of play against
0: Lamar and you did come out as a, a kind of a different looking team in the second half. We're going to talk about that here in just a bit with some highlights are going to kind of indicate that but uh, and you told me you didn't uh, really make you know wholesale changes at, at halftime it was just you know just being
3: fundamentally fundamentally better. We made we made one slight change, like on on the trap play that, uh, um, Case Sanderson scored on right away. I think it was about sixty four yards, sixty five yards, somewhere in there to start the third quarter. Um, you know they were they were jamming hard on the backside. Our tight ends couldn't get underneath the block, the backside I guess we had the fullback pick that up instead, so that when we got that fix which wasn't a major deal and then we got case sanderson free and the next play we just talked about how they were defending our buck sweep and our fly series stuff and of course that's the, that's the plays where avia Stedman's getting to the edge so lo and behold our second play from scrimmage is a 70 plus yard touchdown run by Avius. so that those are things that we felt like we could do successfully and I know you those are just two big plays, but we also had some good six eight seven yard chunk runs in the third quarter as well. We just couldn't complete drives. We'd, we'd have a couple good plays and then have a stub our toe and have a negative play or no gain play. So we can't do those things either. But once again, there's a reason. Sometimes you don't look very good. Sometimes you just don't play very well. And sometimes your opponent's mm-hmm. pretty darn good and they're and they and they're playing well. Yep. So it's a little combination of both there at times.
0: I'm going to take a quick time out. We're going to come back, run through those highlights for you real quick. Talk more about the Lamar Igbo game a little bit later on. We'll preview Monet. That's in 60 seconds here on Tiger Talk.
1: Before I was adopted, I felt like nobody wanted me. I felt like my life was already over.
0: At a certain age, they don't want you.
1: You're troubled and stuff. Even if I wanted to be adopted, who would adopt a 17-year-old?
4: Inside, I knew, like, I'm not a troubled kid. I know what I'm in for, why I'm here.
1: My biggest fear was that I would age out and not know how to be sufficient on my own.
4: I had nightmares every single day at my birth mom's house. It was just really scary for me living there.
1: I was scared. I was lost, and I felt hopeless. I felt like, don't I deserve to feel happy and loved? I just wish I'd gotten adopted sooner. Unfortunately, the number
2: of children waiting to be adopted from foster care is on the rise. The Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption is the only public nonprofit charity in the U.S. focused exclusively on foster care adoption. You can help. Go to DaveThomasFoundation.org to learn more.
0: Back on Tiger Talk time now. Time to run through some of those highlights for you uh, in this ball game. I didn't actually, I didn't actually uh, take the audio clip out of it. Well, one highlight uh, I do want to mention, and I'm not going to be able to hear it back. I didn't edit it out, but I do want to mention it because it could have been a big play in the ball game. It didn't pan out the way you'd hoped. And that was when Lamar, of course, got the ball first. You end up, they end up in a fourth and short situation. In fact, about fourth and three inches, and uh, they decided to go for it. Didn't blame him for doing that, but your defense stood tall. Uh, that was on the very first series of the ball game. They got the ball back on downs. Unfortunately, you weren't able to take advantage of that momentum. Yeah,
3: And that, that was something where, you know, amazing stop, great job by our defense, and I wish we could have moved the ball right then. That could have been a difference in the game. You know, last year down there at their place, we got on 14-0 and was able to sustain that through the third mm-hmm. quarter. And uh, so that, w- that would have been nice if we could have changed the, the events that took place after a great fourth down stop by our defense. Well, we're going to jump ahead in the highlights. Of course, Lamar did
0: jump out to the 21 nothing lead in the contest. We're going to pick it up, though, at the beginning of the second half. Nevada trailed 21-0 at halftime, trying to get some momentum. Nevada did get the ball first in the second half of play after the second half kickoff. And it didn't take long for Nevada to establish some bit momentum coming out of the locker room at halftime. In fact, there was only uh, 17 seconds gone in the second half. Case Anderson going long distance.
5: First and 10, stepping in motion out of the pistol wing. Hand off goes on the die to Sanderson. Good running room. He's in the secondary, and he may go all the way. This is a one play drive, all the way to the 10, the 5, and the end zone. Touchdown to A one play drive that goes for 64 yards on the run by Case Sanderson. What a way to begin the second half.
0: And it was a, quite a way to begin the second half. It looked like at that point, and with things that transpired after that, that uh, well, maybe we're going to get back in this fight. And
3: eventually he did, just never could get back to them. Yeah, again, you know, talking about spotting them 21 points is about a recipe for disaster. But I was proud of, again, proud of the way our kids responded and we – not very happy with our performance in the, in the first half, but proud of the way our kids keep fighting, and that's that's the main thing you want as a coach, is kids that keep playing the ball game till it's over.
0: Had to put a little juice into the uh, into the sideline of Nevada, but unfortunately got squelched rather quickly as Lamar comes right back, scores quickly, 9.50 to go in the third quarter, and a 37-yard run by quarterback Joel Bishore. They convert the extra point, and just like that, they're back up by 20, uh, 28-8. But again, Nevada had an immediate answer, and it didn't take long. The very first play from the line of scrimmage on their next possession, this one from Avia Stedman.
5: First down and 10 for Nevada, their own 30-yard line. Pistol wing formation. Sanderson the eye back. Hand-off goes to Stedman the wing back. Running room left side and he's going down the left sideline. Another one-play drive. Stedman will not be caught. 15, 10, 5, touchdown, 70-yard touchdown. Avia Stedman and Nevada right back on the board, trailing 28-14, another one-play drive, their second consecutive.
0: Two plays, two touchdowns, and uh, Nevada was able to get back within a 42-14 uh, count at that – I'm sorry, a, a – 28-14 camp, got him back uh, within 14. Two touchdowns at that point, but that, when that play works well, it's such a pretty play on that uh, on that inside handoff around the left edge, and it always seems to be down your sideline. You get to watch it all, And uh, uh, but uh, that's a
3: pretty play when it works right. Yeah, and then the left side of our offensive line did really well. Again, we just challenged our kids to block the, the play the way they've been blocking it all year, and they got out there. I thought Ryan Godsey and Lucas Higgins did a good job. Uh, Drew Beachler's was the lead block on that side. He did a solid job. Then, of course, we get Sanderson out there on the edge as well, and we bring our fullback, Zade Lee, out there, and did a good job. You know, in the previous play – the trap that's we got Lucas Higgins coming around and trapping the you know, the defensive tackle on that side and he didn't take the bait, but Lucas hit him straight up and drove him off the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to watch Lucas Higgins play. So he, he <laughs> plays he plays offensive line the right way. He's he's a dominant guy. He's got a little bit of nasty in him and he he just plays it the right way. So I think our line stepped up pretty big on those first two drives just being more physical and and being more technical in how they block their assignments. At that point, I'm sure Nevada
0: and fans felt like, okay, we're getting back in this game. It's a two touchdown ball game now at 28, 14.
3: All we need is a stop. Just couldn't get that stop. They got the next two scores. Right. And, you know, that's just one of those things. It's a, they are a loaded team. Um, Fun to watch when you're not playing them, you know, Very good offensive line. They're very physical. You can tell how strong they are up front. They're a group of strong young men. They're big. And they've got a good combination of – speed and physicality in their running backs they're they're physical their physical group they can break tackles but they also got they're kind of like an Eli Chaney type they've got just enough speed you know they can they can stiff arm you or run over you if they need to but they got enough speed to take it all the way too so it's it's, it's uh, they present a lot of challenges to defenses they face
0: in fact Logan Crockett uh, the uh, one of the wingbacks for Lamar had the next two touchdowns they've been quiet had been kind of quiet during the ball game until that point but gets uh, back-to-back scores on a one-yard run. And then a, the real backbreaker was the 42-yard run uh, early on in the first minute of the fourth quarter of play. That made it 42-14. That pretty much made it, uh, I don't want to say insurmountable, but it was going to be a tough chore for Nevada to get back in at that point. But they certainly did try after that 42-yard kickoff by Logan Crockett. Nevada returns, the guess the, the re- ensuing kickoff, and Avius Stebman again shows the speed.
5: Kickoff by Lamar goes to Avius breaking tackles. He's in the open. He's at the 31 man to beat. That's Juarez. He's going to get around him easily. Avius is going to take it the distance to the near sideline. The 15 10 5 touchdown. No flags on the play. Avius Stedman running it back 75 yards for a touchdown on the kickoff return. His second touchdown of the night. And a
0: little special teams magic there. So, uh, again, once he got one-on-one with the kicker, who didn't quite have the speed that he did, uh, it was pretty much a mismatch at that point. But, again, he does a good job
3: of finding the hole quickly. doesn't dance around. He gets to it and, and gets on his way. Well, I think Coach Alexander and Coach Sanderson have done a good job taking over the special teams. And Coach Miller back – he was our special teams coordinator the past few years. He's back helping in that capacity some. But we do that stuff in practice, and it looks pretty good. And it's just – special teams is so hard to practice because you got kick return and kickoff is a lot of kids flying at full speed and you're just kind of nervous about (laughs) contact and kids getting banged up and things like that. But our kids – do a pretty good job on that on, on in all of our special teams so far. You know It hasn't been something that's hurt us necessarily, and we have, we have had a few big plays, so I'm pretty pleased with how our special teams has gone under Coach Alexander and Coach Sanderson.
0: That was the final score for Nevada. It made it 42-22 uh, at that point after the two-point conversion. Lamar would get the final score, 519 to go, and another run by Joel Bishore. this one from eight yards out. For the 48-22 to final, Lamar improving to 4-0 in the year, Nevada, and now, uh, uh, going, of course, picking up another Big A West win, at putting a 2-0, Nevada falling to 1-1 in conference play and 3-1 and on the season. All right, so those were the highlights uh, for Nevada in that contest. Let's break it down a little bit more. And uh, one of the real glaring numbers, I actually didn't realize this until I took a look at the numbers afterwards that uh, you put out, uh, your, your staff put out uh,
3: third down efficiency 0 for 8 fourth down efficiency 0 for 4 those are usually two big numbers for you really and you know those those are two things that we've done I think we've been over 50 on the year on fourth down and we've been right around 60 or a little better on third down and just couldn't get that cranked up and you know you always talk about Mike like our like our defense did there in the first quarter the first the first series of the for the game you got to really you got to really dig down on those situations you know when it's when it's Third and five, third and four, third and three. You've got to really dig down, and we didn't. We didn't make the plays, didn't make the blocks like we needed to on Friday night. And you know, again, you're you're facing a pretty good opponent that makes it difficult for a lot of people, and it, that's part of it. And we're just going to have to continue to control. We could control, and that's helping our kids get better, uh, helping them understand where they failed or dropped the ball a little bit, or didn't meet expectations, and continue to work towards getting better. Like we always talk about, we're y- you never go into a game saying oh well if win or lose doesn't matter but we're trying to build towards executing better and better and better we want to try to be as good as we can possibly be weeks eight nine ten eleven that's that that's what you're building towards that's what we'll continue to do yeah i was going to ask
0: it and it's kind of an awkward question to ask but while you never want to, to take a loss
3: obviously are there things that you can gain out of this loss that will help you down the road well, I think there's there's always things you you might get their attention a little more when they when they're coming off a loss. But I I think that the the main goal going into any game is executing. You know, and I, you know, we we did we did reach one of our goals this week offensively, and it was um, we didn't have any turnovers. And uh, you know, a couple of our kids said, "Well, we don't we don't want a helmet sticker for that because we lost the game." And I disagreed with that. Um, and the main and, and people may disagree with me, and that's fine, but. <laughs> My, my thought there is, I've coached for 30 years, and uh, I think 20, 24 as a head coach, something like that. I, I lose track of that stuff once in a month. But um, you know, I've had teams execute so poorly that I was just beside myself on the sideline thinking, "What are we going to need to do and win the game? And you talk about tough. Try executing poorly and convincing kids they need to get better. That's hard to do. And uh, I've been in games where we've executed really, really well. I I remember playing – we were ranked in state and Sam was ranked in state uh, probably in 2004 or five when I was at Houston. We were both ranked in state. They were in class three. We were in class two. We played as well as we had played the entire year on both sides of the ball. We were down 22, 21 at halftime. You can't argue with that. We're we're playing really well, but they're really good and they're playing really well too. Mm -hmm. So – I really focus on execution because I've I've won some ugly games and some you know I know people say oh an ugly wins better than a pretty loss I don't know about that <laughs> I I don't like ugly performances either way ugly uh, catches
0: ugly catches up with you before too it, long. it
3: does you, you, and and I think it's it's it, you you sometimes you can execute ugly and still win and it's hard to get your kids convinced that they're executing ugly because they're winning ball games so I, there's a lot that goes into that and. We don't have time to get on that soapbox very long, but I just, we're, we're just striving to execute better in, in, in certain areas, and you know, I think we've got those points across so far this week in practice, and I expect a better performance on Friday night.
0: Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, uh, 48 points given up, again, against a very good football team. Uh,
3: how much trouble did the misdirection give your defense? Well, I think the misdirection gave us a little bit. You know, it's amazing how much trouble something can give you when Jace Lee's not in the (laughs) ballgame. You know, that that dude was all over the place last year against Lamar. Um, But, you know, we did some uncharacteristic things. Um, I talked about it, you know, and, uh, of course, it's not really a rival network for you. Mm -hmm. But uh, on ESPN Radio out of Pittsburgh earlier, um, talked a little bit about um, some of the things our linebackers did that were uncharacteristic. Um, you know, a sweep comes your way and you attack the inside shoulder of the guy who's blocking you. And now he's got your pen and it's out the gate. That hurts a little bit. And some of our pass drops in the passing game, we did some uncharacteristic things. We we played the short route instead of rallying to it, and then we let the medium route open. So those are things that hurt us a little bit. That I think we've got cleaned up this week. And you know, we just got to play discipline And we we challenged our kids this week. You know, if you're not going to do things the way they need to be done, then we're going to find somebody else to play your spot. And sometimes it comes to that. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the kids understand that we're. We're not we're not here to be their buddies and tell them everything's always sunshine and roses. But we're not here to degrade them and belittle them either. We're just we're just trying to make them better young men and better football players. And hopefully, we got some of that done this week.
0: Sometimes, and uh, I want to ask this question because it's something that, as a guy who's sitting up in a press box looking, I saw this in the Castville ball game. You all give quite a bit of room to receivers. Um, you know, several yards off uh, the receiver by design is a, a kind of a bend but don't break type of uh, philosophy, or, or why all the cushion?
3: Well, when you're going when you're running in cover three. Then what you're trying to do is take away the deep thirds with your two corners and your safety, and your in your what your your plan is we're we're not going to get beat deep. And I don't know if it I don't I don't know if I agree with the bend but don't break that. But <laughs> the goal is to not get beat deep and then rally to the stuff they have to throw underneath your coverage and get downhill and, and rally to it. So that's the philosophy. I mean, the other thing you can do is you can play press man coverage. You get beat deep once a while, that's a touchdown. So it's a you know it's it's pick your poison. That's like you know. Um, had a guy tell me one time when I left a conference in the past, he said, our challenge always was, do we blitz you and hope that you don't like trap the blitz man? There's nobody at second level and you're off to the races or do we set back and try to play assignment football and give you four or five yards at a time on your power and counter and trap and all that stuff we do. And so that's a good question So that's one for you to answer <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tell you anything that you don't need to know but uh so I think defensive and you, you see it big time Mike right now in the pros in the NCAA you know you used to watch big 10 football games I mean it was 10 to 7 you know oh, yeah. 12 to 6 and now, and now even the big 10s like 35 28 42 to 30 you know it's just offenses are so diverse and so different each week you're you're scrambling to try to shut down, you know, we're going to see entirely different offense than what we saw last Friday night, and our kids, these are high school kids, you know, these are 16, 17-year-old kids that are getting two, three, four practices to learn how to stop when they're a different offense, you know, and that's that's tough to do, and it's challenging, and our, our staff does a great job, our kids do a great job, but we did have some breakdowns last Friday night.
0: Uh, tough passing night for you, not these again, you don't pass a lot, but uh, you try to pass efficiently, but a low percentage uh, in the passing game on Friday, and it's obviously reflected in the pressure that, uh, that Cade was under
3: well that's what i was going to say when you asked about that we we did not do a very good job up front in our pass protection this week and it had been rock solid the whole year was not very good a couple reasons for that one you have some some dudes from lamar that can get after the passer i thought they they caught us in some timely blitzes i don't think we're very predictable um, we're not always going to throw on an obvious passing down we're not always going to run on an obvious running down uh, we try to mix that stuff up a little bit i know there's people probably Right now, going you only pass 8, 12 times a game. You know, but we do. We try to pass when we think it's there. And uh, our pass pro has been there. It's, our pass protection has been there. And, and it wasn't there on Friday night. And, and that's that's a frustrating. We worked a lot on that this week as well. Well, obviously, a, a loss is tough to take any time. But a first loss, I'm sure, is even a little bit more difficult.
0: So what was the mentality of your team when they came back? Well, of course, film on Saturday and back to practice uh, for those yeah. who were
3: there on Monday. Yeah, film on film on Saturday went well. You know, it, 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 they saw the things that we saw the coaching staff on Friday night that was like, dog gone, you know, just this here or this change oh man, if he does this instead and that's the way it always goes, you know, Mike, anytime Things don't turn out well for you in any in any aspect of your life. You can look at some little things and go, "Doggone! I wish I could have done that a little bit different." And that's kind of the way it was. I, you know, we weren't down on our kids. We're trying to coach them, and help them get better. You can't hang your head. I understand it's a big game, I, and, it, and I understand it's a big game for the people in Lamar and the people in Nevada. We totally get that, but it can't self-destruct our season. We've got to we've got to dig ourselves back up, mm. keep inching inch by inch, foot by foot, clawing our way back into the rest of the season and, and play better. And move forward and, and see what happens down the stretch.
0: Yeah, point is, uh, they're still in it, and uh, if uh, Lamar stubs their toe somewhere, you're, you're still right there, at least uh, talking about a share.
3: Yeah, and you know anything can happen. I mean, it, it's—I know you're, people are going to look at a one-in-three Cassville team and a 4 0 Lamar team and say, "Well, that's over." But you know, Cassville, those cats will be all excited about playing Lamar and having a chance to knock them off. And if, if that would—if that would transpire, you know, you never know. So you cannot hang your head. And go, oh shucks! You just got to go back to work and, and pick yourself up and keep going.
0: Well, Nevada uh, dropping that one 48-22 on the uh, decision on Friday night, Silver Tiger game, big crowd on hand, and uh, it was uh, it was a great atmosphere <laughs> on Friday night. Uh, Live for those kind of nights. Uh, they were they were uh, two three deep all the way around the fence, all the way. Around, I don't know. If you, I'm sure you probably didn't notice it, yeah, but it, but all the way around the stadium, uh, people
3: yeah. are everywhere. The the crowd that I do remember is the Harrisonville game last year oh, yeah, in 2012. That awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. Great crowd, very vocal crowd, um, and and that's always positive. People need to understand th- there needs to be an absolute home field advantage when you're at home, and when good things happen, we got to get that stadium lit up a little bit, and um, it's 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 a great atmosphere when people are there to cheer, um, and. We, we look forward to, to, to those big crowds when everybody's there ready to cheer for the Tigers and, and help us move forward because that, that's a big deal to the young man on the field.
0: We'll see if we get some on the road this Friday night because it is a road date before Nevada's home next week for the homecoming game. But this week it's on the road to Monette against the Cavs, a team that's been down a little bit the last couple of years. But again, another dangerous road trip. Anytime you go down to their place, and they got a veteran head coach that we're going to be talking about here shortly. We'll do that for you after this timeout on Tiger Talk. Twice a year is a minimum. Check up with
1: dr travis jackson at nevada family dentistry new patients are always accepted call today for an appointment at 667-3006 nevada family dentistry offers you the highest level of dental care available in a warm comfortable environment with services for all ages they are now your local source for dental implants open tuesday 8 30 to noon and 1 to 5 wednesday thursday and friday from 8 30 to 1 and 2 to 5 nevada family dentistry 667-3006 at 402 east walnut in nevada When it comes to choosing the best insurance company to protect your life's most valuable possessions, trust one of Missouri's oldest and strongest mutuals, CFM Insurance. I'm Monty Smith, owner of Smith Insurance, and I am proud to partner with CFM Insurance, who's provided strength, stability, and exceptional protection for Missouri families since 1869. I'm confident that together, we can build your perfect CFM homeowners, farm owners, or countryside policy to protect what you've worked so hard to achieve generations to come. Let's grow together. Call 417-667-1828 for a quote or stop by our new office location at 100 South Pruitt Street, Suite B in Nevada.
5: If you have a calling to serve people in your community and help bring about positive change, come join us. Compass Health Network is currently hiring for multiple positions. We serve communities in 46 counties across Missouri and have a place for you. If you are a licensed therapist, nurse, integrated health specialist, dental assistant, office manager, or IT specialist, Compass Health Network offers a supportive work environment and great benefits. Find out more at careers.compasshealthnetwork.org.
2: Sharky's Pub & Grub at 400 South Johnson Drive, Nevada is more than just a place to eat. It's an atmosphere filled with your friends and family, great food and drinks, music and entertainment. Oh, did I mention the food? And it's all in one lively spot. And what about the daily specials on your favorite eats and drinks? Sharky's Pub & Grub, 400 South Johnson Drive, Nevada. Come on over and experience it for yourself. It's not just a place to eat, it's an atmosphere.
0: Back on Tiger Talk tonight. Again, thanks for joining us on this Wednesday night as it's uh, again our weekly Tiger Talk program. Again next week, we'll still be on AM 1240 KNEM as well as 99.9 FM as well as the audio stream. We'll return to 97.5 FM KNMO once the St. Louis Cardinals season comes in. We just don't know when that's going to be at this point as uh, they're shaping themselves up for maybe a postseason berth the way they've been playing. And Of course, that game is on here right now on 97.5 FM KNMO. But we move forward back into Big 8 West play this week and back on the road as laveda travels to monette to take on the cubs monette sitting at one and three on the season they're one and one in uh, big eight west play you have a win over over uh east newton that they got earlier and then uh, last week in action uh monette dropping a 31 14 decision to the uh, Monad cubs so uh monette again one and one in league Matt county i'm sorry Matt county last week okay
3: okay you said Monette. Did I say Oh, okay. So, yeah. Monette beat Monette last oh, week. Oh, did I? That would have been a heck
0: of a battle. <laughs> Monet losing to McDonald County last week, 31-14. to But... Uh it's turned over to you they you're the one they want to hear anyway so let's talk about let's talk about the Cubs uh run a, a interesting offense again a, a three-back offense uh kind of tight uh, like you do but a different type of formation but uh again another run-oriented program that you're going to face this week under under head coach Derek Ewell, who's had good success down there and haven't had much this last couple of years but they've been very young and they're
3: trying to rebuild that program so what have you seen so far from Monet? Well it's the same kind of stuff they're gonna do offensively. I think they're a little more open than they used to be. You know, they used to have those downhill backs, they hit the line of scrimmage going, you know, ninety miles an hour, you know, and, and they, they don't really have that style of punishing fullback this year, although their their backs are good. They're not they're not any they're not bad, but it's just not the same style that they've had, you know, two, three years ago when they were just in your face downhill, shove it down your throat. Um, offensive line is very good. I thought the offensive line was looked solid on film. The backs just aren't as exposed as they usually are. They're going to throw the ball a little bit more offensively. Uh, and then on defense, we're going to see a lot of blitzing. Uh, it's going to look like the, kind of like the second half of the Hollister game. We're going to see a lot of linebackers walked up, coming off the edge, coming up the middle, those kind of things. Um, and very physical defense. You ain't know, Anytime... Um, you have a – I don't know, I, I, I think he's placed in state wrestling two years in a row playing nose guard. Um, it Escapes me right now. I knew it would. Umfleet's in there at linebacker, and he's a pretty good athlete. Mm-hmm. Back from last year, made a lot of plays from last year. Merriman, the Merriman kid, it's a really good wrestler. He's their nose guard. He's a handful. Um, so, I, I thought their defense, Mike, was very physical. Uh, it, it's probably the second most physical defense we've seen. I, you know, Lamar's probably first, and they're right there with Cassville for that. For that kind of physical defense, we're going to—they're going to bring it. They're going to pin their ears back and get after you. If you look at their scores, they've given up some points, but it's mostly big plays. Uh, teams haven't had much luck pounding it, you know, four or five yards at a time against them because they're they're pretty salty on defense. So it'll be a challenge for us to get our kids in space and, and punish them a little bit and get get enough points on the board to come out there with a win.
0: Well, you, you've had some big plays uh, this season with some guys. I mean, you've got some running backs. Once they get in open space, they're going to do good things. So uh, can you get to that open space to get those one-on-one matchups? Well, that's, that's the game plan. That's the, plan, right? that's the game plan. <laughs>
3: but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think we – we're very capable of moving the ball against almost anybody and we proved that on friday night i know it's again disappointing the way the first half went but we proved that we can move the ball in just about anybody in the second half and we we just have to be locked into what we're doing and and know when they got blitzed we worked a lot on our line calls all this week and and hopefully the kids have that down uh you know it's stressful for me um just because you, you you know like we talked about you've got monday tuesday wednesday thursday to get that stuff in and uh, sometimes you don't sleep very well on Thursday night. I mm-hmm. wonder if you got all covered well enough. But we got a smart group of kids and hardworking young men, really good young men. So hopefully we got everything covered and lined out and we're, and we're going to be better on both sides of the ball and in special teams this week i mean
0: look at their numbers they don't really seem to have that feature guy the quarterback david uh, david madrid 129 yards and that's with 48 yards loss rushing which i'm sure comes from sacks because they do throw the ball a little bit they've thrown mm-hmm. the ball 75 times completed 49 percent of them but you got madrid with 129 yards uh, corbin mccauley another halfback 147 yards connor pointer 68 yards and then ethan umfleet with 167 don't really seem to have that feature back
3: well umfleet's probably the guy they're going to want to turn that turn that over to um and and, but again balance and sometimes you know you've got the kid that we faced from Harrisonville last year that's going to rush for 250 yards a game Um, but their style is we're going to try to distribute the ball make you defend everybody try to use some smoke and mirrors and 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 try to trick you into falling asleep on a certain play and then try to hit you with it so uh, I think it's it presents its own challenges but obviously there's not there's not that yeah there's not that dude on pace to get a thousand yards that you'll see from them some years it's just more of a running back by committee and they'll try to spread around and and, and see which guy's got the hot hand on a given night
0: madrid has completed 37 and 75 passes 591 yards and uh, and through four ball games so over 100 yards a game obviously and uh, two touchdowns uh so uh, uh but he has been picked nine times so uh talk about their about their passing game obviously he's prone to the interception
3: well i, I think some of those come on the deep ball i, I think he's been known to. It looks like he's unafraid to throw some jump balls out to his receivers, um, so we just have to be we have to be sounding coverage, and I, I think we're capable of doing that. And uh, we've got some guys that are playing pretty well in our secondary right now, as far as pass coverage goes. And we're going to rotate some different guys in there, and and that's one place where we have the luxury a little bit of we got we got some depth there, uh, and so if, if a guy's can't get the job done, and we got to rotate somebody else in the week where we're capable of doing that.
0: You mentioned Merriam, uh, uh, he's got uh, 24 and a half tackles. Uh, I'm sorry, 56 total tackles, but. Uh, uh uh, trying to figure out the stats sheet here. But at any rate, it uh, looks like uh, – oh, that's his uniform number. 24-and-a-half tackles on the C's 56. Looking wow, that's great. Uh, but at any rate, 24-and-a-half uh, tackles. He's actually tied for the time lead with Hoyt, also 24-and-a-half. But for a nose guard uh, to be leading in tackles, that's a, that's a real rarity.
3: Well, we You get your linebackers. Yeah, we, we saw – he keeps linebackers clean because we saw one play last year – last week on film where he was triple-teamed. And didn't get moved off the line of scrimmage and made the tackle. Now, how in the heck that happens, I don't know. You don't see that very often, Mike. He was actually triple teamed, stood the triple team up, and then scraped through a little gap between two men and hit the hit the fullback first on the on the carry. So, he is a handful. Um, I have to have, you know, Jackson Dreyer there at going to have to wear his big boy pants on Friday <laughs> night because he's, he's got a challenge ahead of him. Um but um, yeah, six four, two eighty five. Yeah, and you know, plays with great leverage. And you know, it comes from wrestling. He's a, I think he's a two time, coach Alexander, and coach anyway. Drury, coach Hawks could probably tell you that. <laughs> but I think I think he's I, I think he's been as a sophomore and junior went to the state tournament in wrestling, so he knows how to use his body. He knows how to use leverage, and, and he's a handful.
0: You know, it's, it's interesting because some uh, there's a philosophy to one of two ways: you either run away from him, which you don't mind running on the edges. Or a lot of people, you know, I've heard of defensive ends, uh, you know, that uh, are obviously good with the edge rush. They'll just run at them. Uh, how do you see that?
3: Well, we'll find out. Six four two eighty five might be hard to run you, at. Yeah, you call me. Uh, <laughs> give me a buzz at second quarter on Friday night, and I'll, I'll have a better. I'll answer send for Jay you. over there on the sideline, <laughs> ask you what your philosophy is at that point. Yeah, because he, I mean, he is a handful. You we know, old joking aside, he he is a tough customer and he's tough to move. But uh, we're we're hesitant to shy away from anybody Mm -hmm. um so we're still going to try to do what we do and and handle them with you know mishak and and higgins will be in there double teaming him some with our center so we'll, we'll still try to move the ball around the center when we want to and when we need to and uh, hope our guys are up to the challenge, but he is uh, he is a good football player, a uh, real good football player. Is,
0: is this a week where, uh, how concerned are you about the rush to allow Cade Bishore to get, uh, and he's going to roll out most of the time anyway, but uh, uh, how confident are you on this week that you can get the time you need for those times that you do want to throw? Well, I think, you
3: know, we spent a lot of time on that um, this week and past pro and. Um, when I say pass, I mean pass protection. But the guys that are, are mainly our five offensive linemen and our fullback and our tailback even gets involved in that some. But I think there's some things we can do. Uh, one thing we have to work on too is getting the ball, throwing the ball in rhythm, and getting the ball out quick like we want to. But sometimes, man, if, they, if the heat's there and it's and it's we don't block very well, it's it's hard to get that three step drop and throw in rhythm. So hopefully, we got some of that cleaned up. But I'm telling you, they're going to bring they're going to bring six seven guys sometimes, and so it's going to be. When they bring six or seven guys, that there's going to be some guys open, but do you have enough time to make that mm-hmm. throw is going to be the question. So we'll, it'll be an interesting matchup for sure.
0: And finally, on the defensive side, you already mentioned their physicality,
3: but uh, what are you seeing over there scheme-wise? Well, they're going to be – I mean, it looks to me like a 3-4, and, you know, it should be obvious, but it could be a 3-3 three, three stack too. And there's not much difference. They're going to have like – two defensive ends playing over our tackles or in, in the B gap and they're going to have a nose guard and they're going to walk up some outside linebackers on the edge. They're going to keep two linebackers in 30 techniques, which is basically over our guards. And so far this year, they've been in a cover 2 They've had two high safeties in corner. Uh, we prepared this week to have them bring a safety down the box and then have, you know, instead of having the seven guys in the box, they usually have the eight guys in the box against us, to try to stop the run. So we'll have to see what they are actually going to come up with. But we worked against uh the two the three defenses we see exclusively this year and we also worked against some the defense that we think we might see to get eight in the box mm-hmm. so uh, well, we, we should be prepared for everything and just hopefully we play well and play up to our potential and, and have a good ball game
0: I look forward to it on friday night uh, again as always we'll ask about the, the the big key for the game
3: for you i'm sure your team though is
0: anxious to get back on the field and get that bad taste out of their mouth from last week
3: yeah you know anytime you you Win or lose, to me, if I feel like we didn't execute very well, I, I'm looking for that next game. But you know, it's kind of a catch-22, Mike. I, you know, a lot of times when you're facing opponents like we're going to face the rest of the way, you you also want one more day of practice, <laughs> you know? So it's uh, excited to go down there and play a football game and, and see how we perform, but also a little bit nervous about the amount of time you have and, and how things are falling into place. So it's, it's kind of a catch 22, but I think our guys are ready to go. And this is another one of those communities that, uh, that loves their football and they should be turning out. Yeah, it should be, you know, hopefully we travel well. Um, Monette will have a good crowd there and it's their homecoming. Okay. Um, so it's always nice to get invited to homecoming. Um, <laughs> So it's uh, you know the twenty minute half you know, and so, off, yeah. the, off the field a little bit early all that. Say, it's good been odd. We haven't seen one yet. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> well, you well see
0: a, we usually see two or three.
3: You know, I'll, I remember when I came here in 2011, Mike, and you probably remember this. Oh, yeah, we played in six homecoming games, oh, wow. our own, because the year before they were 0 and 10. Uh, and so we got invited to five homecomings plus our own and Don Epps and I still joke to this day, we were six and in homecomings that year. <laughs> so, and then the next year we were invited to no homecomings. So it's uh, it's always interesting that, mm-hmm. you know, and I think a lot like me, you know, coach Hawks will give me a call and say, you know, coach McNeely coach. Um, Oh, good night. Coach, <laughs> coach McKinley would give me a call yeah. in the past say, Hey, yeah. when you want home, I don't care. Put it somewhere in the middle of the season because I don't want to pick out a opponent and say, oh, that's – I would rather play a good team on homecoming mm-hmm. than a bad team. So, maybe that's the way they looked at it. They, you know, it's about the middle of the year when you want to have homecoming. The weather's still usually pretty nice, not too hot, not mm-hmm. too cold yet. So, uh I don't think they invited us as a, hey, Nevada's a lock. Let's, <laughs> I think they knew it would be a challenging ball game for them, but I think it's, they're, they're counting on good weather and a good crowd and a good opponent, and let's have some fun on homecoming night. And for the
0: record, ours is against Seneca next week. So next, yep, <laughs> it'll middle be a, of the good a good opponent. It'll be a good opponent. So that'll be uh, next Friday night. But this week, homecoming at Monette. And uh, kickoff again is at 7 o'clock on Friday night. Of course, we'll have the coverage. We'll talk about the details on that a little bit later on. So now we move over to uh, Coach Bichler's favorite time at the program, and uh, that is the scoreboard from last week and the district standings. And uh, we'll take a look at the Big 8 uh, West Division first from last week. Uh, of course, as we, you already know, Lamar over Nevada, 48-22. Seneca with a 35-7 win over East Newton. And McDonald County with a 31-14 win over Monette. Uh, so the other two West Division games, I don't think anything too surprising there. No. Pretty much what, uh, according to plan. Uh, in the East Division, it was Aurora over Mount Vernon, 26-7. to Although, Mount Vernon did have a 7 nothing lead, I think, early in that game. Reed Spring, uh, took them a while to get cranked up, but they eventually beat Springfield Catholic, 62-28. to And Holster coming from behind to beat Marshfield, uh, 37-27. And Logan Rogersville defeated Cassville last week, 28-13. to I have to admit, I was surprised by that. I had, uh, Logan Rogersville had really been struggling. I had heard a rumor that they had moved J.J. O'Neill out to wide receiver. I don't know if that was true or not. But, but anyway rate uh obviously it looks like the the wildcats uh logan rogersville not cassville found something at least uh for week four
3: yeah and, and we we heard that as well i don't you know that's not i'm not gonna call down there to rogersville and, and ask say, hey, coach, you, you know, hey what you but um, <laughs> yeah that's what we heard is that they, they slid number seven i think it was a sophomore yep they slid him to quarterback and slid o'neill out to receiver i don't know if that's fact or not but yeah uh, yeah, they they put a pretty nice game together last week so they
0: apparently found something anyway and the big eight uh, conference schedule this week in the west besides nevada playing at monette mcdonald county will be at seneca that should be one uh, to keep an eye on Uh, two three and one teams Uh, of course a rivalry game there uh, between those two so it'll be interesting to see that result yeah, that should be a good game. That would be a knockdown drag. Out of, well, I don't know, McDonald kind of likes to go to the air, so we'll see. That, that, that's two different philosophies there. And Cassville, as we already mentioned, will be at Lamar. In the East Division, Mount Vernon at Logan-Rogersville, Springfield Catholic at Aurora, and Hollister. Actually, Hollister at Reed Springs playing on Thursday this week again, because of the official shortage. Uh, every uh, game, every once in a while, games are being moved to Thursday or Saturday. And uh, so Hollister and Reed Springs are actually playing tomorrow night on Thursday the crossover game this week will be in Granby as East Newton plays host to the 2 and 2 Marshfield Blue Jays quite a shakeup last week after last week's results in class 4 district 7 after uh, 4 weeks again still 5 weeks to go in the regular season to see who will be playing where and uh, and who will be playing because the number one seed gets a first round bye, but quite a shakeup last week that was caused primarily because of Harrisonville knocking off Warrensburg. Harrisonville was uh, seed number five going into last week. Warrensburg was the number one seed. Lo and behold, Harrisonville goes into Warrensburg and knocks off the Tigers. So Lincoln College Prep, who probably nobody around here knows anything about, uh, they're sitting at four and zero, uh, and they went they just debuted in the state rankings this week in Class Four. At Number eight, uh, but they're sitting there four and zero. They they played on Saturday last week and uh, won their game. But Warrensburg slides down to number two. Nevada slides back one spot to number three. Harrisonville up a spot to uh, number four at three and one. Grandview not having a Grandview type year. Now again, they play a large school schedule, so it's kind of hard to tell from that. But they're one and three. They're in the number five spot. Bolivar uh, again uncharacteristic. Well, well, the thing about Bolivar is they're playing in the Ozark Conference for the first
3: year, so I think they uh, may be getting a bit of an awakening there. Yeah, that is, that's a tough conference. You know, the COC and the Ozark Conference are, are tough, kind of like the Big 8, you know, bigger classes. Those are those are some tough conferences and different style of football than maybe they played the last few years. Yeah, so they're in that uh,
0: sixth spot at one and three. Kansas City East is in the uh, seventh spot. At 0 and 4, and that's probably where they're going to be once the regular season comes to an end. They're having a difficult time there at Kansas City East. So, at any rate, quite a bit of shuffling uh, after last week. I know you don't have any thoughts on it, so I won't ask you.
3: But <laughs> but uh, you'll be worried about it in about four weeks, right? That's, you know, it, it really, I think for most coaches, Mike, it gets pretty interesting about week eight nine. and nine. you know, and like, like, I think we talked about it two weeks ago on Tiger Talk that uh, last year after we beat Aurora down at Aurora, it was about eleven o'clock when everybody got done playing. That we actually jumped Harrisonville mm-hmm. to host that playoff game, so it, it can go right down to the wire. So it it won't be. I won't watch it overly really closely until after we play on week eight, and then obviously week nine. You got to set tight and watch and see what happens when all the results come in because strength of schedule is also a factor. So if somebody that you know is looks pretty good, strength of schedule wise, gets beat. You know, mm-hmm. or, or somebody that they beat gets beat, you know, then the strength of schedule drops a little bit and, and it gets pretty chaotic. So
0: Yeah, and uh, actually it's kind of ironic because now you really, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm misspeaking, but you kind of want to
3: see Lamar keep winning now because that will improve your strength, your strength of schedule. Yeah, any time people that you beat or lost to, it just your schedule. You want people on your schedule to win games, mm-hmm. uh, except for when they're playing you. Yeah. But, but yeah, you, yeah, you want those guys to win games. That improves your strength and schedule and gives you, helps you out in the standings for, for district play.
0: Well, the notable thing about Class 4, District 7 is the strength, and uh, that does get your attention. And uh, the fact, even with Grandview falling out of the top ten in Class 4, there are still three teams ranked in the top ten in Class 4 football in this district with Lincoln College Prep now moving in. Lincoln College Prep, Warrensburg, and Harrisonville – Harrisonville, ironically, is seat number four in the district, but they're the highest ranked of the three in uh, because they beat Warrensburg. They're the highest ranked of the three uh, in class four, so
3: so that does get your attention. Yeah, it's going to be an incredibly difficult district. It is. It's it's going to be a very difficult district. I think there's a lot of different styles of play in it too. Yeah, there's there's a Harrisonville looks a little bit like us. Likes to run the football and hammer it down at you, and then we got some teams that throw it around the yard a little bit, and we've got I believe one option team in there. So it's it's going to be and then. I don't know. I've seen them. I, I, I don't know how good they are. You talked about Kansas City East. Uh, we saw them in 2017, and they were empty backfield five yeah, wide a right. lot. So it, uh, it, there's going to be a lot of variety. You, you could play a smash mouth wing T team, shotgun wing T team one week, and you could play a empty backfield five receiver the next. So it's it'll present its challenges, and, and they seem to be all pretty good football teams.
0: Yep, we'll see what happens. As uh, Again, we'll keep an eye on that as the, the weeks go on. And as we head towards week nine and that final week of regular season play, we're starting to finally get to some football weather. Although it's going to warm back up for Friday, back into the lower 80s. But the good news, the sun's going to go down earlier now, so we're going to cool off more rapidly. Uh, I'm I'm really tired of being 125 degree press boxes. I won't kid you, but uh, I'm sure you're kind of. Are you ready for those cool, crisp nights that we normally get heading into October?
3: I'm always ready for those. You know, <laughs> my better half at home is not ready for those, but I'm, I'm definitely ready for those. I, I thought this morning I stepped outside for a while this morning. I, I don't know. It was down around 50. Yeah, I, it, it was 49 when I left my house yeah, this morning. Yeah. Felt, I thought that felt pretty good. That was at 5 o'clock know. this morning. Yeah. Left, left the windows open all night last night. And that's, yeah, it, it felt pretty good. Are oh, you one of those too, like me? You, you don't mind a cool house, then, huh? No, no. But, uh, it's, uh, a,
0: a, a naturally made cool house. Right.
3: Yeah. Right. I, I don't like paying the bill to make the house cool <laughs> when it's 95 <laughs> degrees out. But I'll, I'll take advantage of a cool night and keep those windows open. But it, yeah, it's a. Uh, I, and I, I think just football in general. I think most kids, most kids would rather have 45 and 85, 55 over 95. Obviously, we, we'd rather have it in that 45 to 70 range and not have those. 88 9 degree kickoff mm-hmm. nights those are those are pretty miserable sometimes but
0: well and the heat brain seems to bring a lot of cramping we didn't see as much last week as the first couple of weeks but uh, still a little bit uh, but uh, the cooler nights bring about less of that as well
3: yeah I, yeah I think football players just in general they like to play when it's a little bit cooler and it's just more feels more like football but we've done a pretty good job of playing the heat so far this year mike like mm-hmm. you talked about and we'll continue to try to get better and you know before it's over you know like last Mm -hmm. year we had two practices in uh it it was sleeting on us at Mm -hmm. practice at 35 degrees and some sleet coming down late in the year last year so you're gonna you're gonna go from dealing with 90s and heat indexes to dealing with wind chills and sleet so that's just a part of it yep we don't live in san diego that's for sure (laughs) uh
0: speaking of cramping uh without getting too many specifics health-wise doing
3: okay i think we're in pretty good shape you know we've got uh got a young man uh, we're just a little bit of a question mark right now and we'll just see how things go tomorrow and um, we're just uh, hope for the best there and um, I-, I think we're in pretty good shape and obviously there's there's a couple there's a couple dudes that we'd really like to have out there but mm. uh, that's not going to happen we're going to Get the guys we got available going and, and play as well as we can.
0: All right, look forward to it. Friday night at Monet against the Cubs. that kick off at seven o'clock. I'll say about the broadcast plans later on after the next segment. So, uh, coach, thanks for the time, and uh, we'll see you down there Friday night and then yep. next week.
3: All right, thanks, Mike.
0: Video Tiger Football Coach Wes Beecher. When we come back, we're gonna talk cross-country. Head coach Ryan Watts will be joining us. Talk boys and girls cross country after this timeout on Tiger Talk. Did
1: you know channel master antennas receive high definition and digital signals over the air from a span of 180 degrees and up to 80 miles of range? And Thorpe Appliances is your area dealer. And that TCL, Roku, and smart TVs with thirty-two to seventy-five-inch screens are available starting as low as two hundred twenty-nine dollars. Call Thorpe Appliances at 667-8787 to schedule a free quote. Your local authorized channel Master Dealer
4: Thorpe Appliances since 1945 Thorpe Appliances 114 North Cedar 3 generations serving the Vernon County area since 1945 With a whisper quiet engine and loaded with standard accessories, the Arctic Cat Prowler Pro Ranch Edition takes your riding experience to the next level. Visit your authorized Arctic Cat Sales and Service Center, El Dorado Cycle and Outdoor Equipment, where they are more than happy to ship parts. El Dorado Cycle and Outdoor Equipment, located at 3270 South Highway 32 in El Dorado Springs, Missouri. Call 877-390-5148. Visit them online at eldoradocycle.com.
5: You're at a place you'd like to write a check, but you know if you do, you'll get grilled. Do you have a driver's license? Do you have a job? A social security number? Why go through that? Use your debit card. It's easier and more convenient than writing a check. The First National Bank, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Now with ATM locations at Murphy's USA next to the Walmart parking lot. Woods Supermarket at 1407 West Austin in Nevada. And the First National
0: Bank on the Nevada Square.
5: The plumbing shop in Nevada would like to announce that they are your Navian hot water dealer. Navian systems offer more output for the money, lower installation costs, and lower operating costs for the homeowner. The plumbing shop also specializes in mostly commercial and new home builds. For a new Navian system in your commercial property or residential home, contact the plumbing shop at 417-667-1319. Keeping you out of hot water by keeping you in hot water.
0: And KNMO. Thanks for joining us tonight. Actually, just on AM 1240 KNM and 99.9 FM, St. Louis Cardinal Baseball, over 97.5 FM, KNMO. But we're going to switch gears right now and talk cross country. And we'll do that with uh, Nevada High School Boys and Girls Cross Country Coach uh, Ryan Watts joining us on the program. He has the distinction not only being the high school coach, but uh, the only coach. It's also a middle school coach. So, like, Ryan, I'm sure that keeps you busy. At least you got them yeah, all there together.
4: Yeah, I... I get lots of opportunities, to interact <laughs> with them from seven through twelve. So yeah, they're a, it's a pretty unique situation.
0: Yeah, when you, when you we talk, hear these coaches talking about uh, watching these uh, these student athletes um, grow, mature. You, you really take it to another level, don't you?
4: Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's unique. Uh, there's a few of those kids that if they start with me, you know, in seventh grade on, I see them go from you know what a lot of times seventh graders look like little kids, and by the time they're getting ready to graduate, they're young adults so yeah i get to see a big transformation with some of them
0: <laughs> well let's talk about uh before we get into your season let's just talk about uh, your squad a little bit uh, of course last year when we visited you were coming out we were uh, not that we're out of it but uh, of course dealing with all the COVID issues uh, which really uh, cut down on uh, uh for lack of a better word your ability to recruit uh, competitors so uh, did you find that situation a little bit better this uh, this time around the summer
4: yeah, we've, we've picked up quite a few. Um, we had, we knew we were going to have a big influx of freshmen, um, that's helped the high school team tremendously on the boy side and on the girl side as well. And then we also picked up a couple key, um, I guess I always like to call them late additions, ones that we can't talk into joining later, but uh, picked up a junior and a senior on the girl side that have, uh, really helped us out there too. So, um, yeah, we were able to uh, kind of make up for our lack of recruiting a year ago and, uh, bring some people in and, uh, our numbers still aren't quite where I'd like them to be across the board, seven through twelve. But the high school numbers are looking really strong, and uh, you know, as as we get through this COVID thing, hopefully, uh, eventually we get back to where it's a thing of the past and and no longer affecting anything. That's uh, that's my hope, anyway.
0: <laughs> well, what? Of course, you uh, you ran during the summer. You ran in preseason once you were able to officially begin practice after the dead week. So, what's been your what's been your emphasis? Or what was your emphasis, I should say, before the season started?
4: Uh, Well, we had an old adage that we've been throwing around that summer miles make fall smiles, and I've always said that, you know, cross country is a summer sport that plays out in the fall, and so our emphasis this year was just bringing in as much mileage as we could from the summer. You know, we started basically the week after track ended and hit it all summer long, trying to get as much mileage as we can, Um, because really once season starts, you're kind of just fine-tuning and kind of counting on that aerobic base that you built over the summer, so that's so far been looking pretty strong for us. So we feel pretty good about the mileage that we brought in and, and those, you know, and then through the first part of the season, we kind of continue that high mileage thing. And we're actually hitting the midpoint now where we start to transition to a a little bit different approach um, where it's more about speed and race strategy and stuff like that. So when you couple those two things together, uh, you end up getting a uh, hopefully a a fast runner and a, a good balanced runner and uh, basically, improve on that aerobic base as much as possible, and uh, if those things work out for us, we end up being pretty fast at the end of the season.
0: Well, let's break down your your teams uh, because you do have boys and girls. So let's start with the girls' side first. Uh, tell us about your squad there, and who are some of the runners uh, we should be keeping an eye on.
4: Yeah, the girls' side. Um, we've got two uh, returners that have been. You know, Allie Rains is a, a two-time state qualifier, and then Avery Morris has just missed qualifying, and she's ran you know, the kind of times it typically would qualify. So um, those two have kind of been leading the way for us all season. And then we, like I said earlier, we picked up a couple um, new ones. Uh, we have Avery Dawn, who's a freshman. So adding her to the squad has been uh, very helpful. We missed her for part of the season due to some uh, extenuating circumstances. And uh, But now that she's back and getting back in shape, that's uh, paying off big time. And then um, we've also picked up Maddie Majors and Jade Feller, uh, who are making a a big impact as upperclassmen and also helping uh, really transition uh, some of that leadership roles that they have in other sports and really help guide um, and coupling that with um, Allie Avery. So we actually have some really strong leadership um, from those girls. And then we also have our returning senior, uh, Ashley, who we talked about at the beginning, the kids that have been with us from the beginning, you know, she's a seventh grade on. So we've had Ashley forever and she's kind of always been kind of the mother hen the last few years and keeping these guys in line and she's continuing to do that for us so uh we've got a, a really good group of girls and i i feel really good about them
0: okay so let's switch over to to the boys side and uh again same question uh, who are who are some of your runners over there
4: yeah the boys side we they're uh, improving week after week um a combination of that's young kids learning what they're doing and then the other side is those upperclassmen that are continuing to do what works and in working on stuff outside of practice to improve and and uh really trying to take advantage of all the extra opportunities we've had this year with uh some morning practice opportunities and things like that but um they're coming along on the side uh caden pageant jr has been leading us uh all season long uh with the best finishes and continuing to improve and and run really really well he uh would have been a I like to say or think I'm pretty sure he would have been a state qualifier a year ago, but he was quarantined when that happened. And we feel pretty confident he would have been because he ran the exact same time or he ran a fast time on the conference course. that was the exact same time as the district course, which if you put in that time into the district results, he would have qualified. So we like to think of him as a qualifier, but uh, he's been leading the way for us. And then we've got a group of juniors uh, coming up behind or uh, another group, excuse me, sorry, I misspoke, uh, <laughs> baby brain. I got a newborn at home, so I'm not <laughs> sleeping well. Uh, but, uh, I've got uh, three other juniors that have been making some uh, key contributions and Jaden Tice, um, Eli Mosier, um, and then we also have our senior Moki Don, who's back, and much like I talked about Ashley, he's been with us from seventh grade on, so it's been good to see him grow. And then we have an influx of freshmen as well that have made a big impact uh, on us with uh, – Aiden Ryan, Aiden Watts, my son, and then Anthony Pizzano have all made big varsity impacts as well. So uh, the boys team is, I still think we're about a year away from being, you know, where I want us to be. But they're making big strides um, and and improving greatly. So it's it's been cool to see that as well.
0: We've had uh, four meets uh, to uh, get things underway and uh, starting off with the – SWCCCA uh, Invitational. I think that was in Bolivar, if I remember right. Of course, the Caddie Meet, uh, the Bolivar Invitational, and then you just got done with the the Southern Stampede at Missouri uh, Missouri Southern Host. They weren't able to do this a year ago because of COVID, so they brought it back this year. I know that's a that's a big uh, premier meet in the area, isn't it?
4: Yeah, yeah. The Southern Stampede is um, other than you know the Rimrock and the Chili Peppers of the world. It's it's about as tough as uh, high school meet will be, and it's actually. As it's grown over the years, it's um it's really starting to approach you know the competition levels that are at Chili Pepper and Rim Rock and those huge invitationals. Um, they don't quite have the numbers that those meets have yet, uh, but the talent level is there. I think actually the uh, the fastest time that have been ran, unless that's changed in the last couple of days. But the fastest time uh, on both boys and girls, um, regardless of class, in uh, Missouri high school both were ran on that course. So uh, they're continuing to get a higher level of competition year after year so that was one that we were really glad to be able to get back into because our kids ran well at it and anytime we can race that kind of competition it's just good to see because um, it just kind of pulls us along
0: you ran last night in iola uh, i know that i know that iola invitation was near and dear to your dad and uh, so you're continuing that tradition but it uh, looks like you did well there yesterday
4: yeah yeah we uh, just actually got the results on that one a few moments ago uh, earlier uh, about an hour ago now they uh it's an old school pencil and paper meet, so you don't get the results <laughs> quite as quick as the new style digital meets. But, um, but yeah, kids, uh, ran really well. Um, the girls won it, um, pretty handily. Um, the boys team was third and they're behind Iola and Pittsburgh, which are both quality programs. So that wasn't anything that hurt our feelings too bad. Um, and then our JV boys won too. And, uh, yeah, they, uh, they ran really well across the board at that one. And it was a combination of, kids feeling like, you know, the, a course that they felt good about, and then also the weather's starting to cooperate. It's finally starting to feel like fall, so we'll start to see some times drop in that, uh, in that setting as well.
0: And it had to be nice. Uh, you had on the girls' side the top two runners, and I understand they were pretty much neck and neck.
4: Yeah, yeah, Allie and Avery led the way, and they were leading it from start to finish, and uh, they looked really strong. I think they would have dropped even more time had they actually had somebody up there to push them because it's, it's tough when you're out there, you know, couple hundred yards in front of set or I guess third place in that case but uh, yeah they ran really really well and uh, just kind of continued to uh, set the bar higher for themselves and and uh, really lead that girls' team to the expectations we think that they can meet.
0: You mentioned uh, Rimrock earlier, and that's the, the Rimrock Farm Cross-Country Classic that's uh, hosted by the University of Kansas. Uh, that'll be uh, the, It's Friday, Saturday. I believe you're competing on Saturday. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, talk about uh, that meet and what makes it so, uh, such a, a big meet, and also uh, one that you really want to take your runners to.
4: Yeah, that's one of those meets that uh, it has elite-level talent, um, and it also has... Um, a really, really neat course for the kids to run on. Uh, the problem with being in Southwest Missouri, Southeast Kansas, this kind of areas of the 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 country, it's a lot of flat, a lot of golf course meets, things like that. Oh, hey Mike, they're cutting into the intercom. That's okay. We'll, Are you picking that up?
0: Yeah, that's fine. We'll go ahead and uh, we'll pick it up on the background. It's okay. Right, we'll we'll tell everybody we're recording during the during your school day, so we'll just put up with it. Unless you need to listen, okay. we'll we'll just continue on.
4: No, okay. Um, so, yeah, it's one of those meets that's just premier meet, great, uh, great atmosphere, um, very different than just running on a golf course like a lot of these kids are used to. Um, there's bridges they run over. There's tunnels they go through, lots of hills. And, and it was designed by you know, an actual cross-country coach uh, who wanted to add all these extra features. And, and because of that, even though it's not necessarily what I would call a fast course, it's definitely an exciting and fun course.
0: And then uh, Lamar's coming up. The Lamar Invitational, I assume that's a golf course deal that you'll be on again, as you mentioned. And then yep. the Chili Pepper uh, Festival. Uh, uh, talk about that one. That's uh, it's obviously got an unusual name, uh, along with Rimrock, Rock. But uh, uh, what make? Uh, what about the Chili Pepper? Tell us about that.
4: Well, the Chili Pepper, it's it is probably you know you could make an argument for Rimrock being a little bit better than me, just because the course is a little... I actually prefer the course at Rimrock, but there's no doubt that Chili Pepper is the premier uh, race in this part of the country. Um, you almost have to go to, like, Nike Nationals and things like that to see this kind of competition, um, and those are invitation-only, so this is probably the most competi- or highest competition as far as an open event that anybody can get into. Uh, there'll be, you know, each race will have a, over a 1,000 runners in it, um, the elitist Runners from all over the state will, or all over the country will be there. Um, you'll see teams from Texas and Oregon and all over that come to uh, to run on that course and compete against the best. And and it's one of those, like I said, kind of like with Rimrock. If you know we don't go to those meets thinking we can necessarily win them because you know that's just not the the way the math works in our favor. But what it does do allows for us to give our kids a great experience going to these unique events and then also to race against the best. It really just kind of drags everybody along to really fast times and and cross country with a lot of it being kind of a mental thing if you can have somebody kind of tow you along to a new pr and realize oh i can run this fast it makes a big difference later on in the season and it's a lot easier to do it these big meets where you've got you know essentially you get pushed to new prs because you're going to get run over if you don't keep pace so it's um it's a it's a unique thing if you've never seen it it's uh it's worth watching a lot of times they'll stream it online and you can see that stuff and Seeing you know a thousand to fifteen hundred kids take off at once in a cross country race is is very cool.
0: I'm trying. That's in Fayetteville, right?
4: Yes, at Fayetteville Fay- on the University of Arkansas's uh, official course too. So it's pretty cool for these kids. That, whether it's Rim Rock or Chili Pepper, they're running on official college courses um, that you know Division One athletes get to compete on, and that's that's pretty cool too.
0: Couple of things, and then we'll let you go. Uh, the uh, The Big A Conference meet mm-hmm. will be coming up. Uh, talking about that. Where will that be? And uh, how do you feel like you'll do in the Big A Conference meet?
4: um i think we're going to look pretty strong especially on the girls side um and it's going to be uh, hosted at mac at mac county which we got the opportunity uh the week before that so i think on the ninth we're going to go and preview the course so that we can see that um and uh you know conference we we're, we're in a tough conference there's no doubt about it but like i said i feel really good about where our girls are at um and uh on the boys side you know, we're just kind of playing on by ear with having such a young group. We're seeing big improvements happen week to week. So uh, that's uh, something that we're going to kind of hopefully keep banking on. And maybe by the time we get to the conference, our expectations on the boys' side might look a little different.
0: That'll be October 19th. As you said, the Big 8 Conference meet hosted by McDonald County High School. Uh, I can't, I actually don't need to ask the question. That, do all 14 schools run cross-country in the Big 8?
4: Yes, yep. So it's everybody all together. Um, and uh makes for a a big meet and a competitive meet and we're a uh... We're excited to uh, to go run there and see you know how we compare against those schools that we compete against week after week uh, in a lot of other sports, but in, in cross we don't see a lot of those schools, so it'll be a bit of a surprise as well.
0: And finally, let's talk about the uh, postseason. I know that's over a month away, yet, but I'm not sure if and when we'll talk to you again on this program. So let's uh, let's cover the the uh, district cross country meet uh, that'll be coming up uh, what October the 30th. Uh, you're in class uh, four, uh, and uh, and we were talking before going on air made a big change uh, this year as far as districts are concerned going from eight districts down to four why the change and how does that affect your district
4: so as far as why the change i'm pretty sure it's just they're having a really hard time finding schools that have the facilities and the desire to want to host it uh, more than anything and just a lack of officials so they can kind of spread their uh, their talent for lack of a better word across fewer meets Um, but definitely from a you know a Gamesmanship standpoint, it changes a lot of outlooks. We've got, uh, 40 qualifiers instead of 20. You've got four teams instead of, um, two. So that's going to change that significantly. Um, as far as the way you look at it, you've got to always push place over time. Um, because when it gets to that point, you're either in that top group that goes or you're done. And, uh, so that's going to be our emphasis, just like it would have been. But in reality, I don't know yet how that's going to change things, um, after until we see it one time, it will make the meet a lot bigger. Um, and you know, if you get enough fast people together, like I said, that a lot of times will pa- push you to a, a fast time. So we're kind of hoping that's what happens for us. And, and if we can get enough people up in the front early on, maybe we'll just get shoved the whole way through to a, some fast times, and good placements.
0: Well, look forward to the remainder of the season. Sounds like you got off to a roaring start. As you said, you're about midway through. So uh, and just like track season that you're involved with, obviously in the spring, you want to be peaking at the right time. So you feel like you're on that tra- uh, trajectory?
4: Yep, yep. We've been hitting it hard. We've been running on tired legs and still running really well. So we know that uh, as we get closer to the end of the season and we uh, you know, kind of roll back the intensity and let them freshen up and run on uh, fresh legs and aren't so tired we're expecting to see uh even bigger improvements then
0: and the final thing you or you alluded to it earlier but uh sure i probably should have mentioned this at the beginning of the segment but i saved it for the end but of course you're you're a new dad for the fourth time uh just a couple of a few days ago so uh talk about that how's mom and how's mom the new daughter doing
4: yeah that's uh exciting at home and uh the kids actually the cross-country kids have been uh very uh supportive on that because i've had to uh be gone a little more than what I normally would be so they've been working very hard in my absence and uh, I will say a big co- thank you to uh, coach Eric Fast who stepped in for me for a few days while I was at the hospital with the baby and all that uh, but uh, you know this is the fourth one for me so it's getting to be kind of old hat but on the other hand anytime you welcome somebody new into your family that's an exciting day.
0: Absolutely well congratulations on that and uh, look forward to the remainder of the season and uh, thanks for the time and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks Ryan.
4: All right. Thanks, Mike.
0: That's Nevada head coach Ryan Watts of the Nevada Cross Country programs. We'll come back and I'll wrap up tonight's Tiger Talk after this final timeout on Double K Country. Actually, I'll do that now since we kind of got our segments out of order and I had to fix, uh, fix a technical issue there so uh, we could get that interview played. So, again, I apologize for that issue, but uh, thanks for hanging around so we could get that interview in with Nevada Cross Country coach Ryan Watts. And, of course, my thanks to Nevada Tiger football coach Wes Beechler for joining me on the program as always. And he'll be back with me next Wednesday night as we'll talk about the Monet game this Friday and preview you next week's homecoming game against the Seneca Indians we played at Logan Field next Friday evening. Don't forget our broadcast plans this week's Talk football first. That'll be happening on Friday night when Nevada travels to Monette. I'll have the pregame for you beginning at 620 kickoff at 7 and that'll be on AM 1240 KNEM 99.9 FM the audio stream at KNEM knmo.com. and of course with our live video coverage as always on Nevada MO TV at mo TV.com and airtime 620 kickoff at 7. we got A couple of events coming up for you tomorrow. The Nevada Lady Tiger softball team will be home tomorrow for a Big A conference matchup against the Lady Jays from Marshfield. That will be played at Bushwacker Field beginning at 4.30 tomorrow. Derek Campbell will have that call beginning at 4.15 on AM 1240 KNM and 99.9 FM, again, the audio stream. And I'll be at Wind Gymnasium tomorrow night when the Nevada Lady Tiger volleyball team will be home to take on the Lady Tigers of Smith Cotton. I'll broadcast that match on our online video channel at NevadaMOTV.com. She'll be on the air somewhere around 7, 7.15, somewhere in that vicinity for the varsity matchup tomorrow night. So if you can't be there in person, you can watch it on TV.com tomorrow night. So we've got a very busy Thursday and Friday coming your way to round out our sports uh, broadcast for Nevada Athletics uh, again for the end of the week. And more stuff coming for you early next week as well. So just keep it tuned to Double K Country or check out our website at KNEMKNMO.com for all the details on that. We'll be right back here next Wednesday night again for another Nevada Tiger Talk program. We'll look forward to talking to you then. Until then, for Nevada Tiger football coach Wes Beechler and cross-country coach Ryan Watts, I'm Mike Harbett. Thanks for joining us for Tiger Talk. Stay tuned. We're going to be joining St. Louis Cardinal baseball already in progress. I just checked. They were up 6 nothing. I believe it was the second inning against the Milwaukee Brewers. That game's already being broadcast on 97.5 FM KNMO. We'll join it as well here on AM 1240 DM and 99.9 FM Coming up next.
1: You've been listening to Tiger Talk on Double K Country. Tiger Talk is brought to you each week by Buzz's Barbecue, Nevada Auto Mall, Emory's Truck Stop, Ferry Funeral Home, 54 Feet and Seed, Sutherland's Home Base, First National Bank, Eldorado Cycle and Outdoor Equipment, 54 Veterinary Clinic, Compass Health Network, Sharky's Pub and Grub, Nevada Family Dentistry, Forbes Appliances, The Plumbing Shop, MyNevadaMo.com, and Smith Insurance Agency. Join us next Wednesday night at 6:05 for Tiger Talk on your source for sports in Southwest Missouri and Southeast Kansas. AM 1240, KM, and 97.5 FM, KMO in Nevada. Double K Country.